1: Folks, that I am here tonight behind this microphone on a stormy night, June the 2nd. Happy birthday, Mom, by the way. Is because the biggest story of the day for one Reed Wilkins is that Def Leppard is in town. That's his favorite rock band of all time. For me, that's up there. It's not the favorite, but for Reed, this is the band. So I am the host tonight. Of this program, Reed will be back next week. How you doing, everyone? It is seven minutes after six o'clock. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. You'll hear Reed back on this very program on Tuesday. We got Game Three Stanley Cup Final tomorrow, as the Predators, who have already been—it's already been guaranteed by one PK Subban—already been guaranteed. We don't lose in Nashville. We well, did once, but they're seven and one in the playoffs so far. This is looking very much like there'll be a Game 5 for sure. There very well could be a Game 6. But Game 3 is tomorrow. Start time is 6 o'clock right here on 6.30, Chad. Game 4 is on Monday in Nashville again. Start time is same, 6 o'clock on 6.30, Chad. Pecorini, is he going to start in goal? Well, Peter Laviolette doesn't want to talk about it, but yes, he will start in goal because that'd be insane to go to. Soros, even though good up-and-comer, you go with Pecorine. Eskimos held their mock game today. It was uh, it was good to see. Training camp is almost through one week. We have game number one for the preseason coming up June 11th against the Calgary Stampeders. We have it for you right here on 6.30, Ched, Sunday afternoon. 3.30 is the start time for the pregame show. 5 o'clock is the kickoff. Morley, yours truly. Blake Dermott back in the booth. This man will be on the sidelines and can't wait for it. Brendan Ulrich. Welcome. How's it going? You know, it's been going good. You've been on the air all day. <laughs> well, it's good to see you as well because I know you were out in that storm. You just made it back. It was it was <laughs> ominous. Yeah. It was when you see clouds that thick black color, it was almost black. You know, I told Gross about it. I'm you know, you drive on Gretzky Drive. Okay, you know, it's, you know, a little little cloudy out there. Well, it's, well, it was all cloudy. Then you turn the corner onto 75th and you're going, "Oh my <laughs> goodness, gracious, what what is happening here?" So, and that's when you're like, I don't want to see the those electrical bolts from the sky, you know, every 10 seconds and you're like, there's nowhere to go here <laughs> except I don't know. Uh, the Eskiles <laughs> should have kept playing in the storm.
2: Here we go. You know, you want to play a mock game. This is what the season might be like. Let's get it going.
1: No, they had I'm one delay kidding. last year, yeah, I that's think. That's right. It was a long one. Yeah, it was against the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So that was during the ugly part of the season. Anyway, uh, you're going to Def Leppard 2 tonight, eh? <laughs> yeah. it was just, this is funny because, uh, as you know, I'm not much of a rocker. I
2: listen to no. electronic st- dance music. That's my thing. But uh, I have been to Aerosmith before. I went to ACDC. So those are the two big rock concerts I've been to. So this will be up there with that. And oh, it's yeah. my first concert at Roger's place. I actually won the tickets, so I'm looking forward to
1: it. Ah, very good. Very good. So I kinda ruined your night, eh? No, it's okay. <laughs> this was pre planned, by the way, that Brendan was gonna be on yeah. the show. Uh you knew, what, about five twenty that you won the tickets? Or no, before that I guess. Cause... Yeah, just around then. Yeah, around then. So that's cool.
2: There and you go. Uh, it's right downtown, so I'll get my Friday started
1: early. <laughs> so you can you can wave to read. He'll be somewhere uh, he's close, in the building. Yeah, he's close to me,
2: actually. I just was texting him saying we need to catch up for a beer uh, at some point. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's close, so I'll probably be able to wait for him for my seats. Now, reed has been after you for a while to go see Def Leppard, right? Yeah, and uh, I was actually thinking about going to the show with him, but I was supposed to go to town this weekend for a Beer Olympics event. That's uh, Oh, <laughs> shocking. Yeah, it's in Provost, but with <laughs> this weather. And... Brendan will do well, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, beer pong, that's my, my game, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was actually supposed to go out there, and now there's this weather, and I yeah. won uh, free tickets, so why not? Maybe I'll just, you know, travel out there tomorrow morning and uh, go to the show tonight.
1: Very good. Your first time in Rogers place since the uh, Game 6 game shellacking. Six. Yes. Oilers against the Ducks. And, of course, the Oilers out of the playoffs now, sadly. And now we have um, the draft staring us in the face, and, uh, I you know, I, I find this interesting because the Oilers haven't been in this situation for a long time and I know that you know big reason why you've been filling in on Oilers now is because Bob Stoffer's at the Combine in uh, Toronto, right? Oh, Combine's Buffalo. Oh, Combine's Buffalo. Sorry, it has been in Toronto, but okay, Buffalo this year. The Oilers picked 22nd overall. Um, There's lots of talk. Not really a lot of talk they'll trade up. There's a lot of talk they might trade down and maybe out of the first round, but at 22... What could be there at 22?
2: Well, they don't have a second-round pick. So, of course, that goes to Boston for the Peter Shrelly hiring as compensation. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, perhaps they do trade down to maybe add another pick. It makes a lot of sense. They have, like, three third-round picks as well. So, but at 22, I think they'll go forward and uh, maybe a skilled forward. You look at the speed and all the skill around the league right now. Maybe they want to add a little more of that to the, to the mix. They have some big bodies up front. And they have a lot of young defensive prospects as well. Zia mm-hmm. Pagan, uh, Ethan Bear, Caleb Jones. They signed Ryan Matha, who will play in the AHL next season. So that's four guys right there they have coming up in the in the system. So you look at their forward prospects, not a whole lot because all their young guys are already on their roster, really. Mm-hmm. Like the farm's sort of uh, bare than Tyler Benson, but we don't really know uh, where his game is at with all the injuries he's yeah. battled. So I think forward makes sense, and uh, that's what Bob was hinting at today uh, on Oilers Now when I talked to him, and he asked Keith Gretzky about that as well, and uh, he sort of talked about that. So he, he, there's a lot of players in that range from 22 to to 50 that are all sort of similar. So it's do you take a guy, you see who falls, do you trade down? So lots of options on the table.
1: I imagine there's a lot more work that goes into this for the scouting staff too because when you're scouting a top five pick, mm-hmm. your pool has to be smaller, I would think. But when you're scouting someone out of the top five, and, and this draft from what I understand is not very deep. They'll be good players, but it's not a really... You know, quality draft is you know like other drafts. Yeah, no big superstars. No, but how much more work goes into it for the for the scouting staff to prepare for this, and how many more players do they look at? Yeah, you would think it's a lot more.
2: Um, I mean, they have to focus in on fifty guys basically that they could consider with that twenty-second pick. And last year, it was okay. It's either Matthew Kachuk, Sergachev. We didn't even expect Poliari to be an option because he mm-hmm. he fell. I think it was Dubois, Sergachev. Erica Chuck the three guys the others were studi- st- are studying a lot, and all of a sudden Poliarve falls to number four because Dubois goes three and the others take him. You wonder how much studying they did on PoliarV. Because I don't think Shirley expected him to go to four, so that was the
1: situation last year. This year, I
2: would say a lot more goes into it.
1: Here's what uh, Director of Player Personnel Bob Green of the Oilers had to say about the 22nd overall pick. Oh, I guess it's a little bit different from uh, the standpoint of the first round, but but our job is to be prepared for whatever happens.
2: We don't have a pick in the second round right now, but but uh, you know the scouts can't worry about that. We've got to know the players in, inside and out, and we've got to be prepared in case there's a trade or. Or anything of that matter so you know we really can't concern ourselves with that we just have to know these guys and, and be
1: prepared for whatever happens at this point is this where you draft need or do you always are going to look at best player available no matter where you're where you're drafting, but you're hinting that probably they stay away from the defenseman too. So,
2: Well, you never know. I mean, yeah. what if one of those guys have rated have really highly falls, maybe they want to trade up in in, in the draft. That, that's what I mean. There's so many scenarios. But I do think they want a skilled forward, and I asked Bob Stoffer and others now, are there some names to throw out there that we can start looking at? Because we are getting close to the draft, and everyone hasn't really paid a lot of attention to it. But uh, a guy that comes to mind, Nick Suzuki out of Owen Sound, he's a smaller four, but he had 96 points, 45 goals uh, this season. Jeff Merrick had him at number 19. So that's a guy to look out for. Kayler Yamamoto out of uh, Spokane. They call this guy maybe the next Johnny Hockey. He's small. He's five foot nine, but he has a lot of skill. So I think that's where the Oilers are looking is skill. And uh, maybe it's one of these guys. or Maybe it's a Christian uh, Vasilainen out of Finland. He didn't play a whole lot due to injury uh, this season, but Jeff Merrick had him at 21 on his list. So these are some of the guys in the range for the Oilers that may be available. But as we, we talked about, we don't really know. Like, as you said, this draft is so bizarre because there's no really consensus consensus top 10 after it's so yeah. wide open. Anyone can go anywhere, so we don't really yeah. know what to expect.
1: And then two days before that's the expansion draft, yeah. which is totally separate from the, from the entry draft. But, you know, could there be moves made that Vegas wants to make and other teams want to make to ensure, you know, don't take this guy. Maybe we give you this guy and... Then you take this guy. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, it's June twenty first, right? So yeah, yeah. So I'll be working that night, I believe, in for Reed, because he's going to be traveling to Chicago. So that's that's going to be interesting to see what happens. And um, expansion drafts, and we had Doug McLean on the show last night, and he was the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I, I can't remember what he said. The direct quote, but basically he looked at the list of available players, and he, I think, he got sick to yeah. his stomach. So, I, I heard that; that was hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, but for the Oilers, what could they be, you know, aiming for as far as you know? Would they talk to Vegas? Maybe. Free expansion draft and maybe work something out or what would be their I guess their best case scenario you think well it's funny I know TSN put out that uh, simulator today where you can actually play with it and
2: look at the roster and see who they might get and I know Craig Button put out his team and I was like wow this team does not look that good so Vegas is <laughs> going to be in a lot of trouble next season uh, It. I think right now it looks like Griffin Reinhardt is the guy that uh, Vegas would select from Edmonton. But as you talked about, maybe they work out some sort of deal with Vegas and say, hey, maybe you take Benoit Pouliot, and we'll give you this prospect or this draft pick. And we've heard some rumors about Chicago looking to do something similar with Marcus Kruger, get rid of his contract, and we'll leave Trevor Van Riemsdyk so he can take him, a nice young defenseman. Yeah. So that that's the kind of thing we're looking at here, and I think Vegas wants to make some noise as well. Who knows what they'll do. I know George McPhee has sort of been talking about Alex Ovechkin and stuff. <laughs> like. I don't think that'll ever happen, but I think he wants to make a big move to get people in their seats and get people excited about hockey in Las Vegas right out the gate, so there's going to be a lot of moves being made, and it's exciting, and the build-up's going to be... Uh, I've never seen anything like it, so it should be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, big moves were made last summer, of course. Uh, Taylor Hall traded for Adam Larson. Jordan Eberle, there's been a lot of debate about him, a little bit about Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but Jordan Eberle, wildfire, had a very poor playoff after, I would call it, a pretty decent regular season. He did score 20 goals. Will he be traded? Well, the noise seems to suggest, yeah, he will be. We'll talk about that with Brendan Alrick uh, from 630 Chet Sports, the producer of Oilers Now. I'm Dave Campbell, in for Reed Wilkins, who's going to Def Leppard tonight. And you're listening to 630 Chet.
3: This is Jordan Eberly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630. Chad. Kellen Kennedy behind the glass tonight. Hello, Kellen. Yo.
1: Perfectly timed, by the way. Rock and roll. Excellent. A little Def Leppard. I'm envious of one Reed Wilkins and Brendan Ulrich will be heading to this concert. You'll miss Poison, though. That's okay. I don't even know what Poison <laughs> is. Uh, would it be safe to say that a lot of Oilers fans felt Jordan Eberle's game was a little bleh in the playoffs?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's been the topic ever since the Oilers got eliminated. What if uh, he scored in the playoffs? What if yep. Nugent Hopkins scored? Would the Oilers still be playing? And I guess it's possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't very good in the playoffs. It was his first experience. It's a different game for these guys. So uh, you sort of wonder next year if these players would be better in the playoffs. I think Nugent Hopkins came on throughout the postseason a little bit, but he didn't score. a bit. Yeah, you want him to score still. You need Nugent Hopkins to score. Yeah. Uh, and Everly to score for that matter as well. Uh, he, he struggles in his, in his own end at times trying to get the puck out of, uh, out of the own zone and in the playoffs every battle is so important so I think that's where it became glaring from some of the fans like if he can't get the puck out if he loses this battle then well we might as well trade him yeah, that's I mean,
1: what people are saying. The, the one thing you saw I think the difference between Ryan Newton Hopkins' play and Jordan Eberle's play is yes Ryan Newton Hopkins didn't score which that's a problem he's got to score but he created scoring chances Jordan Eberle did not create very much at all yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I know Reed Wilkins brings up the fact that Rob Brown says that he didn't have one scoring yeah. chance in the playoffs on his forehand. So that's tough. Um, there's more chatter about will Jordan Eberle be traded and more to the effect of yes, he will be traded. I want to play this comment from Todd McClellan uh, at his season-ending news conference. And he had a lot of things to say about Jordan Eberle and they were all positive.
0: He's a tremendous player. He He scores 20 to 25 goals every season. You can count on it from them, and that's not going away. Uh, When you get into a playoff scenario and it doesn't start well for you, it can snowball quickly. That's one of the experiences that we've learned. the players that are having great playoffs, you guys will talk about, write and tell stories. The ones that are struggling maybe to to provide what they normally do becomes a story. And the ones in between, nobody talks about. So you want to be in one of the two middle groups. You sure don't want to be in the bottom group. And unfortunately, Ebb slid into that bottom group. But um, we didn't get to the playoffs without him. He had an impact on our team, um, especially down the stretch when we won... I don't know, 15 of 18 games, uh, he was a key, key piece. Um, you can't completely evaluate him and, uh, and pin his whole season on the playoffs. Of course, that's a time where you want guys to rise to the occasion. Um, he didn't quite uh, get it done, but he's a, he's a very important asset for our team, and confidence is, is is huge moving forward. He'll get it back, and he'll be just fine. So if he gets it back,
1: though, it might not be in the... Boiler silks because apparently there's more and more talk that's, you know, gaining momentum that he will be traded, Brendan. And those are glowing comments, by the way, yeah. from Todd McClellan. Um, but is there a risk involved here to trade Jordan Eberley? I think there is. I mean he still was a 20-goal scorer, third on
2: the team in points of 51 points in the regular season. I mean, those type of players don't grow on trees. Uh, it's tough to score in the game these days. It, it's a changing game. So everybody, I think, tried really hard to play a more defensive style of game this regular season and got away from the things he does best. So if he goes in the next season and says, I was a good, better defensive player, what if I get back to doing those things offensively? Mm-hmm. and Maybe his all-around game's a lot better. So that's why there's a risk and career-wise, he's average 25 plus goals a season. He wasn't on the top power play this year, so I think that's a little bit why it was down. Uh, but if he can get back to a 25, 30 goal score, that's pretty valuable in this, uh, in this league. So there is yeah. a risk if you're going to trade him. But at the same time, maybe you can move him for a player that can fill a different role for your team because the Oilers do have a lot of scoring up front.
1: Yeah, that's right. Can you get a depth center? Yeah. You know, a bottom six center that could maybe win a faceoff or two, that's which was the, the glaring weakness of the Oilers last season. Is they couldn't win a face-off. They were chasing the puck too many times. I find the comments from Tod McClellan and even Peter Chiarelli very interesting. And I believe it's genuine how they feel about Jordan Everley. But if you're going to trade that player, you can't slam him publicly. Yeah. You can challenge him, and that's what they're doing, is you need to be better in the postseason. But you can't say, yeah, you know, he was he was terrible. So very glowing. It almost to me. It almost sounded like a sales pitch to me. Yeah, no, you know? absolutely. And I wonder if Charlie has something else planned too, like a secondary move, because
2: he's done that uh, throughout yeah. his time here in Edmonton. Because under the salary cap, they could have kept both Nugent Hopkins and Everly for one more year. Mm-hmm. It, it can, it's, it's feasible. But
1: you wonder what he's thinking now. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight as Reed is uh, off the Deaf Leopard. Brennan will be off the Death Leopard soon. So we we'll... on the 6.30 chat, 24-hour news center. When we come back, we'll uh, talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup final. We'll talk a bit about the NBA finals. Is sports fun right now? There's a lot of people complaining about hockey's not good anymore. Basketball stinks. And I think the latter is a lot more truer than the first thing I said. Campbell in for Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30 chat. <laughs> This is Ryan Neeson-Hopkins
2: from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630
1: Chad. Friday evening edition of the show, Inside Sports. Reed Wilkins off tonight. Going to see Def Leppard down at Rogers Place. And Brendan Allwick doing the same thing after uh, he joins me tonight. We'll let him go in about uh, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. You we were here already. You've been on the air basically all day, so... Lots of coffee. We can't get enough of Brendan today.
2: It's okay. Can, Some days I leave early, so it's not
1: that <laughs> big of a deal. That's true. Uh, <laughs> it all—it's all you know. It evens uh, out. It all evens out. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you can text in at 6:30. 30. The big L says, "Eberle is a talented player who was brought into a very sorry organization from top to bottom, and was grouped in with a bunch of first overall picks who were expected to collectively score, and with enough flair as to so as to uh, so as to compensate for all the obvious deficiencies the team had as as a whole." McClellan is obviously a high end coach. And so it might take another season for the likes of Everly to adjust. One only has to think of Dumnik and Schultz as examples. That's a great point. It is true. It's Justin Schultz who knew he would be a top four defenseman in Pittsburgh and almost a, you know, he's halfway to being a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Devin dumick has been a Vezina Trophy winner. Um, I don't know. It's uh, The one thing I will agree with the big L on uh, about this tweet is and something that I have said is that the younger players were exposed way too early. Mm-hmm. They were not protected by veterans, and I go back to the Sadines. I use this example probably way too much than people care to, you know, <laughs> you know, or want or whatever. But the Sadines were third-line players to begin with. Because you had Naslin, you had Bertuzzi, you had Brendan Morrison, you had other players. and But unfortunately for the Oilers, uh, for for Hall and for Eberle and for Nugent Hopkins and even Justin Schultz, it was you are the guys. Mm. Some can handle it, some can't. Connor McDavid can handle it, Leon Draisaitl can handle it, others can't. And Eberle in this role of being a secondary player, not the go-to guy, you saw some good things out of Jordan Everly. You need more in the playoffs, but he can be that secondary guy. Yeah, and in theory, you think,
2: okay, he's going to be the perfect secondary guy because McDavid and Drysdale will carry the load, and then you have him in a secondary role, and he'll score all these goals. Yeah. And it seemed like it took some time this season. Near the end of the year, though, that nugent hopkins Lucic Everly line started to come on, but in the playoffs, didn't carry over into any success. And Everly, we need to remember, was moved off the top power play line. He was out on that top power play at the start of the season. Couldn't mm-hmm. get the shots off. They put Latesta there, and he did a great job. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe some frustration, but at the same time, I know he's been trying. I talked to him about this, and he said he, he wants to be here. He thinks Todd's the best coach he's ever had, and he wants to learn the system. And I think he was trying to do that, which Big all was talking about. But it takes time. I mean, this is different. They've played for so many different coaches. Yeah. And as you talked about, They were stars right from the get-go here in Edmonton. Are relied upon to be the stars, and it's not easy. Not not everyone can handle that.
1: So we'll see what happens. But uh, the 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 talk is getting stronger. So let's you know be aware of it. And we're getting closer to the draft. We're getting closer to free agency, which begins on Canada Day, July the first. So and Taylor Hall was traded what two days before free agency? One day before something like that?
2: I was like was yeah about that. And it was more than one. I think three or four maybe. I think it was the twenty sixth. To tell you the truth, yeah, off okay. maybe the twenty eighth, but I don't know.
1: Tomorrow we got Game Three Stanley Cup Final. Pittsburgh Penguins looking to take the stranglehold three nothing lead on the uh, Nashville Predators, who are seven and one at home. PK Subban had the uh, prediction that or the guarantee, which
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> funny how many people are complaining about that. Who cares? What is he supposed to say?
1: Yeah, first off, it's after a loss where the Predators probably deserved a better fate, even though you know deserve a better fate. They. They gave up three goals again in a short time span like they did in game one. They've been pretty good in the playoffs, I think, overall, but they're down 2-0. He's frustrated. Mm-hmm. What else is he going to say? So he's confident at home. Yeah. Why wouldn't Nashville have swagger at home? Well,
2: and he has swagger. as a, That's his personality. And he's supposed to say, well, we might win. I mean, we're down 2-0. We might get swept. Yeah. I mean... We're down in the dumps. No, as you said, he was frustrated. He went after Malkin and challenged him to a fight in that game. Yeah. So you love to see that passion. You love to see a player like that rally the troops and say, hey, we're not out of it. We're coming home. The crowd's going to be rocking. Let's just act like it's 1-1 or let's just start over, act like we're starting the series over and try to win this in five games.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this, this, this series has been weird. I mean, first off, how does Pittsburgh go 37 minutes without a mm-hmm. shot on goal? And then Nashville controls a lot of the play in game two. So, you got to think they got a lot of confidence going into game three. You're starting Pecorino, are you not?
2: Yeah, he's been a lot better at home. Yeah. The team has been better at home. I think you need to start him for game three. But if he struggles in game three at home, then maybe you go to Saros in game four.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Because at that point, if you're down 3 0, then you got nothing else to lose. Mm-hmm. At that point, you know, maybe things. I mean, really go off the rails, but you're down 3-0 anyway. Uh, I was listening to your conversation on Oilers Now yesterday, driving back from Eskimos training camp with Louis Bresque who's down at the Combine, about uh, the state of the game right now. And a lot of people are complaining, a lot of Oilers fans are complaining after round two because they felt, and they may be right, that the Oilers are the ones that should have been in the Western Conference final playing the Nashville Predators goaltender interference call and you got the offside call and now I'm speaking more generally Um, are we confusing quality of play with the state of officiating which is not good right now is the quality of play good
2: I think it could be better. I yeah. mean, with all the skill and talent, you think it should be at an all-time high and we should see all these goals. And, you know, McDavid should be going end-to-end, setting up ridiculous plays, which mm-hmm. is hard to do when Kessler's cross-checking you all or the ice or, as uh, Johansson said, a stick in the groin every time he's on the ice. So <laughs> that's what frustrates me because I want to see... Like There's so much skill. Every team in the league has more skill than ever before, and these players can't showcase their talent. And now it's like, oh, we're talking about trading Everly, where you think a player like Everly would shine in today's NHL. Yeah. That's not the case. He's got to battle and dig and fight through tight checking. So that's
1: what, what, why I'm concerned. NHL, the NHL seems confused, in my opinion, of what is their standard. You have a rule book. Why can't you not teach the rule book to your officials? Here it is. Okay, if you keep cross-checking a player, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. that's a penalty. You know what happened to good tough board work? What happened to good open ice checking? What happened to staying within the boundaries? Mm -hmm. You know, let them play is a very we all like to see the Hudson Bay rules, but at the same time, it leads to chaos. So there's a reason why you have you have standards out there, and right now it just seems like game to game, you don't know what you're going to get. So does that come up from the top? Does that come from the officiating themselves, the officials themselves? Do they understand? Like, I don't know. And you ask Gary Bettman about it, every media person, and the game's great. Yeah, The offside challenge works. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know? Like, has he ever come out and said, maybe we need to rethink something? You know? Or is it just the attitude within that NHL you know, those big ivory towers in New York and Toronto that they just think, oh, what we're doing is great. You know, it's frustrating right now because you got Sidney Crosby in this final. Yeah. No one is talking about Sidney Crosby. No one. And that that's a problem.
2: Yeah, it's a huge problem. Like, look at uh, the NBA Finals. It's all about stars. That's how they drive their game. And I watched that NBA Finals game last night, and it was all LeBron James, all Kevin Durant, and both those players scored a lot of points. They did what they do best. And uh, it was exciting, although the game got out of hand because Golden State is that good. (laughs) But at the same time, you look at the NHL and you say, why can't this be P.K. Subban versus Sidney Crosby? Like It's just not like that. I know hockey is a different game, but I think if you allowed the players to do what they do best, and that's play with all that skill they have Mm -hmm. and not get cross-checked all the time, it would be more about the players shining on the biggest stage, and maybe that would lead to more viewers and it would be more exciting hockey.
1: I will say this about when you compare the NHL to the NBA, and regular season, whatever can be monotonous and tedious at times. It's better than training camp. Trust me, because I'm in training camp right now watching the Eskimos. Can we please get to a game? Can we please get to the regular season? And then we're like, oh, can we please get to the playoffs? But in the NHL, you have more drama, right? In the NBA, you don't. In the NBA, the NBA regular season is the most pointless exercise. That I have ever seen in my life. The playoffs are starting to become that way. Mm-hmm. The first round of the NBA playoffs is not mu- is is not must watch TV. Is not appointment viewing. NHL first round is. The Nashville Predators are they, they they were the final team in the to make the or the, the yeah the final team to make the playoffs. Yeah. So they have the final playoff spot in the West. They're in the Stanley Cup final. You never see that in the NBA. I looked it up today. The lowest seed to win the NBA championship. Is the or in recent memory, is the Houston Rockets back in 94-95. They were the sixth seed. They beat the Orlando Magic, led by Shaquille O'Neal, a very young Sha- Shaquille O'Neal. You know, I remember in the NBA playoffs a few years prior to that, the Denver Nuggets beat the Seattle, at the time Supersonics, when Dikembe McCumbo was clutching the ball and rolling around the court crying. You don't see that drama in the NBA. In the NHL, you do. The, the NBA has to fix it somehow. I don't yeah. know how. But the NHL, you have parity. Capitalize on it.
2: Yeah, so that's what you're saying. NHL does that good. And they do a lot of good things. I feel like I don't want to rip all over the game. But it's frustrating because... The, the One thing the NBA does well is market its stars, and the NHL doesn't seem to do that. And I brought up that top 100 list from ESPN. I know it's an ESPN list, whatever. They hate Lucky yeah. anyways. <laughs> but no NHL players on the list. There's 12 NBA players, and like yeah. Dwight Howard's on the list. Like, Crosby is way better at his sport than Dwight Howard is at, at his game. Absolutely. So you think Crosby would be a more popular figure where he'd be on that list, but he's not, because he's not marketed as the superstar that he should be. So that's why I'm frustrated but the nba is talking about a lot of problems like it can't just be golden state and cleveland every year and if if that series goes the way it was everyone's talking about this finals and what if golden or golden state sweeps cleveland because it looked like that could be the case watching that game last night so that's a big problem for the nba but they do still know how to market their stars and maybe the nhl can take a page from the nba in, in in that way
1: well let's look at what happened last year in the nba finals steph curry was hurt in the first round was never the same after that. Uh, Draymond Green didn't play game six in the finals last year when the Warriors had a chance to win it. Yeah. They didn't have Kevin Durant, who made everybody wearing the opposite shirt look silly, including LeBron James. So you're looking at it and you're going, oh man, it's going to be over real quick here. And if you're the NBA who you have been banking on this final, it's not good. But if you're the NHL, you know, you have so much parity and every team is so good. Yeah. There's a chance, you know. Th- there's a chance the NHL's missing out on to market the game because the game is not in rough shape as you would think. As far as the talent on the ice is concerned, the officiating needs to improve. Mm-hmm. But you have a really good variance of finals, and sometimes parity can be annoying because you would love to see maybe the odd dynasty. And Pittsburgh could be a mini dynasty if they win. So yeah, it's interesting, but it's it's always fun. So,
2: well, at least they're meeting this weekend. They're yeah. having that competition committee meeting on Sunday, and there are some big names, and I think Peter Trelli's in the mix as well for yeah. that, so maybe Bettman's just saying everything's good, and they're actually going to look at it and consider some changes. That's what I hope for, because the NFL makes changes every year. Yeah. They don't care. They, they want to make more offense, and I think that's what the NHL needs to do, too, is try to create more offense. They're, I guess they're limiting the goaltender equipment slowly. Yeah. That's being implemented next season. So there's that. Uh, there are ways that they can change the game. Um, but are they open to it I guess is the question yeah the game's not terrible I don't want to crap on hockey no, I not... watch every game I still watch every other game I watch all the playoffs but it frustrates you at times when you look at Connor McDavid only scoring 100 points in the regular season Yeah. and you're looking at guys like Nugent Hawkins and they can't even score in the playoffs because it's so
1: tight checking clutch and grab yeah and you would, you would hope that it's a little more open flow. Well, uh, one league that's trying to create more offense is the CFL. And I think mm-hmm. they're going in the right direction. Uh, the Eskimos have their first game on June 11th. Excited? Excited about this season? Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: As I just thought of, I'm ready for the the, the hockey to end. It's been a long <laughs> season. So I'm looking forward to, to football. And, uh, I mean, I think the Eskimos are going to be really good this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they might be the best team in the league. This is just a guess. I mean, I haven't been on a camp or anything, but I know how good that offense was last year. Yep. And the fact that most of the pieces are back, minus Darrell Walker, but Zilstra looked great last season. Bryant Mitchell looked like he had some talent, and they've added Hazleton as well. So I think the offense will be great. Um, and the defense can't get any worse than it was, at least to start last season. Like, they slowly got better, mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like, as I was reading your tweets, it seems like uh, the defense is pretty good today in uh, that mock game, they so were. they have some pieces. Yep. It can't be worse, and uh, I think overall, they're going to have a really good team.
1: West is going to be brutally competitive. Yeah. You know, that's funny. I was on uh, on radio on our affiliate down in Calgary, New Stock 770, and with Jock Wilson, and you know, he asked me, what, what's the record this year? I'm like, well, they're 10-8 and eight last year. I don't think they can get much more beyond that, to be honest. They could, you know, maybe 11, maybe 12, but the West, there's going to be yeah. some heartbreaking West versus West matchups this year. So we'll have you on the sidelines again for our Eskimo broadcast here at home. And the first home game, the first broadcast period here on 6.30, Chad, June 11th against the Calgary Stampeders. 3.30, pregame show, 5 o'clock is the kickoff. Brandon, thanks so much for staying
2: can't wait. Well, I think I'll be down at uh, practice on Sunday, so I'll see you then. We'll see you
1: then. Look forward to it. Have fun tonight at Def Leopard. Can't wait to rock out, baby. It is six forty-eight. Back with more in a moment. This
2: is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Ched. Dave
1: Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight because it's Def Leopard night. Hellen, I'm, I'm envious of Reed, although Reed has seen this band, I think he told me yesterday eight or nine times, but... I thought it was like 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it would be surprising, actually, that it hasn't been 20. But yeah, we get it. We know. Like, who's your favorite band of all time?
3: Uh, Zeppelin. Zeppelin? But the chance of them coming... Well, you never know, but like, the chance of the original lineup, of course, reuniting is never going to happen.
1: I mean, mine's you too. and if I could see them every time they... Come to Canada or there Edmonton. I'm I missed them the last time they were here in 2011. Mm-hmm. Regretted it. Yeah, because I heard it was just fantastic. But you know, you go well. I've seen them before, so you know, yeah. well, how's it going to be different?
3: I mean, I'm just a huge rock fan as it is, and I went the the last time Def Leppard played at uh, the Coliseum. Yeah, I was there the same night, and I saw Reed Wilkins along with Tom Gazola from Oilers TV, <laughs> uh, rocking out in the front row there and that stuff. And so it's it, it, it's they're an awesome band to see live. And if you're going tonight or if you're already there, you know, it's going to be a great show. It's going to be an Oilers Media reunion tonight. I, I think that's <laughs> honestly what they play to get their self pumped up before broadcast and that stuff, you know. Well, it's think... great of mu- arena warm-up music, like, yeah. you know, like Pyromania and that stuff. Like, you just picture yourself walking through the corridors of the arena and then skating out on the ice and that stuff with the strobes and the flashers and, I don't know, maybe Dave Campbell on the PA doing the whole pump up the crowd thing like you do for the well, kids during the thing that you do in the winter. I can't remember what it's, what it's called. But anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I remember Ken Dryden and we don't have time for a Ken Dryden soliloquy because we would be here till 9 o'clock and Charles Adler would be mad at
3: us. The, um, the home game book is just one giant monologue it, by the way. Yeah. It is.
1: <laughs> but he is a very excellent writer and speaker. But uh, Ken Dryden says the game of hockey is played to a rock and roll beat. And I totally believe that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I hope Reed has fun. We're going to play some Def Leppard all throughout the show. Plus, later on will be my favorite Def Leppard story uh, concerning Reed. And I did not look favorably in this story. It all worked out in the end. Whoa. It all worked out. It was a very funny story. Anyway, uh, I I basically learned what song Reed doesn't like of Def Leppard. Because that's the thing. You love you love your rock band. You love your favorite artists, but there's that one or two songs or that one album where you go, we don't we that we don't speak of that. It doesn't exist
3: because what was that? That's what you say. I can't think of any with Zeppelin. I'd have to really think hard. Maybe Hot Dog. That's it. Yeah, that was that country music ragtime rip off they did. But
1: yeah, yeah, it's uh. It You know, if you have a favorite band, usually you like 98% of it, and the and the other 2% you just tolerate. But sometimes you like that band, you know, for 98%, then you like it for one point, the rest of their stuff that you weren't crazy about for 1.8%, then that point two you never speak of. I think that's where Reed is with Def Leppard in some ways. So, anyway. I'm psychoanalyzing
3: (laughs) my Wilkins on the air along with... This could
1: be dangerous, everybody.
3: You might want to stay tuned for
1: that. It's my last night of insights. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Anyway, uh, let's uh, read some text here. Gordo says, uh, Just want to thank uh, Shirelli for a job well done. Doesn't get enough credit. McTavish started the shot blocking back in 2006, and goalies became the Puff Marshmallow men." Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the year after the lockout in 0405, when they were trying to get out of the dead puck era, when you had 14 power plays a game. Um, but you know, shot blocking has become something you just do. Does it? Has it ruined the game? I don't know. Maybe a little bit. If I could stomach the officiating more, I'd watch the playoffs. It just gets me upset. And Brett and I definitely talked about that. The world's last fall was exciting hockey. Team North America talent shined, and no stick work—not like the playoffs this year. And I think part of that too is it was fun, but it meant nothing. Like it, it just had no meaning to it. It was just a nice showcase.
3: I watched some of it. I don't know, maybe talk to some of those Team Europe players and tell them that it didn't mean nothing. Those guys were focused going into that final. Like that, that I've never seen a group that just set because they were finally on a team that could win something.
1: Game two was uh, pretty competitive. Unfortunately, Brad Marchant won it.
3: Well, good for us. Yeah, good for us, that's right. <laughs>
1: it's not all bad. Uh, The Eskimos held their mock game today. Training camp is into uh, six days. Day seven tomorrow is fan day, and then that's it. Week one's over. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we'll talk about the mock game and uh, week one of training camp coming up after seven o'clock with uh, Morley Scott. That and much more, we'll hear some uh, Eskimo comments. Stanley Cup final comments. And Donovan Bailey winning a 150 meter showcase in Toronto against Michael Johnson 20 years ago. That's an hour, too. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.